0: I hate when my husband works late, being at home, alone at night, hearing
1: every little creak. It's uncomfortable. I thought I was just being paranoid, then my girlfriend said she felt the same way when her husband travels. Until they had what she calls their Vivint talk. Vivint. My friend calls it the best home security system out there. It's super easy to use and fit right into our budget, and I love my video cameras. I can see what's going on in and
0: around my home right from my computer or smartphone. It's actually kind of funny. I told my husband, if you're going to be traveling or working late, I'm getting Vivint. And it's made all the difference.
1: Call now. Not only is installation free, you'll get up to $1,500 worth of Vivint security cameras and equipment today at no charge. Seriously, $1,500. Just pay as little as $99 for activation. Call 877-776-3430. 877-776-3430. 877-776-3430. 877-776-3430. Restrictions apply. 48 or 60 month agreement at minimum $49.99 per month required. Not available in Louisiana. See Vivid.com for license numbers. Blog Talk Radio. The Purple angel. Well, hi,
0: everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I am thrilled uh, to have you with us here today. It's uh, going to be a, an exciting show. I, I, um, I'm i really, really excited about the author that we have with us, uh, Maggie Litaro, and um, she's written a fantastic book called The Gift of Alzheimer's, New Insights into the Potential of Alzheimer's, and its care um, and that is just so um dear to my heart uh, because that is exactly how i view this disease and the journey i had with my own mom for for 30 years for those of you that are new to the show um, i'm just going to take a, a brief moment here and explain a little bit about alzheimer's speaks radio and alzheimer's uh, speaks in general i am the um founder and host of the radio show, Lori LeBay, and uh, I started this journey because of my mom, needless to say, and it's it's been a really powerful place uh, for me to be really healing, and I have learned so much from so many people around the world. I created Alzheimer Speaks as an advocacy-based company to provide multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. I just truly felt and still feel today that, you know, the best, Um, kind of cure for dealing with this and the best support available to us is one another and that we need to connect. I believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations like we have uh, um, here on the radio show about life with dementia, that that's really the only way we're going to be able to remove the stigmas attached to memory loss and help those living with the disease continue to live with purpose along with those that care for them. Together, we can help everyone understand the true needs of this disease, and um again, get rid of the fear and the isolation that just penetrates people and and um isolates them so so bad from one another at our core. We believe again collaboration is the only way that we're going to win the battle, and I know that it's working um because of all of you and your likes and your clicks and your shares. With your Facebook friends with your Google circles with your LinkedIn colleagues um, your Twitter tribes etc every time you like us you are pushing information out to others um, so that it's there when they're ready for it you know we never know when someone is going to need this information and, and but we, but we do know that more people need it than are willing to accept it. And if we look at ourselves, uh, we know why that is. Um, it's pretty common for all of us to, to play that role of, of not wanting to be cared for and wanting to be able to do things independently. And so it's just very critical that we have information out there that makes people feel comfortable. And so through your likes, through your shares, we were able to um, be named the number one influencer online regarding Alzheimer's, according to Sharecare and Dr. Oz, which was absolutely incredible. Uh, really, a, a fantastic place for us to to be, and we are so honored. And again, we know we did not do that alone. The only way we did that was was with you and through you. Um, you allowed us to 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 have this position in the world. Um, which we are so honored um, to be able to connect those all around. Now, we would really encourage you to join the conversation, and you can do that through the chat box, which I'm having a little bit of problem with right now, so I'm going to see if I can get that back up and running. And um, But you can also call in. And when you call in, uh, you just have to call 714 364 four seven five seven that's seven one four three six four four seven five seven and um, when you do that you'll have to push one to get into kind of my waiting room and I will pull you into the conversation I promise um, because again it's all about raising everyone's voice on on our show here so with that um, I want to give a couple of shout outs before Before we get moving along here and get into just a, I I know it's going to be just an entrenched, exciting, and uplifting conversation with Maggie, Um, but I always like to give a shout-out to a few different organizations. First and foremost, I have to mention the Purple Angel Project. If you are not aware of it, it is the new global symbol. Anybody can utilize this symbol, business or individual. All you have to do is read a um, short um, little poster, Uh, That talks about what it's like to have dementia. And the Purple Angel isn't about having all the answers, it's about raising awareness, um, showing the symbol, people asking, What is that about? We want the Purple Angel to be as well-known as the pink ribbon is for breast cancer, and there's absolutely no reason that that can't happen. You can go to our About page on alzheimerspeaks.com for that information. If you're looking for an Alzheimer's association anywhere in the world, go to Alzheimer's Disease International. There you'll not only find the one closest to you, but you'll also find great, great, great global information and research that's being done. Want to give a, a shout out to HealthStar Home Health, uh, who I do a lot of work with here in Minnesota. Fabulous home health uh, company that's actually trained their staff with the Alzheimer's Whisperer program, and they just are—they um, just really do a fantastic job. Uh, last, I, I want to. Um, Mentioned the alzheimer's research and prevention foundation they kind of take a holistic approach to things and they do a, a wonderful job with food diet um, meditation and um, Just giving you you know some other other avenues and um, I said that was last and I, I lied um, I want to also give a big shout out to the Alzheimer's team who is helping advance Alzheimer's research. And you can actually enroll your loved one in a clinical trial. And I will put that link um, in the chat box as well. Uh, but it's very, very simple uh, URL that you can go to. But they've got a great study. If you go to Alzheimer'sStudy.com. Forward slash sixty dot htm, and again I'll go ahead and put that in the chat box here for the Alzheimer's study. Um, great great resource. You know we need we need to be able to um, to do these studies in order to find a cure. And so we need participants uh, to be to be part of that so let me go ahead and introduce to you our author today um, our timing couldn't have been any better because Maggie's book which I'm holding right in my hand right now called the gift of Alzheimer's new insights into the potential of Alzheimer's and its care is being launched here in the u.s. today so um, how exciting is that um, this is a woman, Megan um, Latero, is a writer, she's a therapist, she's a teacher, and she has worked in the field of holistic healthcare for over 30 years, integrating psychotherapy and um, energetic healing, she's just, uh, I, I just can't wait to have this conversation. She um also helped care for her mother who had Alzheimer's and that is why she, she wrote the book. She lives in London, um, but she remains close to her Scottish roots and she loves um designing and making things and um well welcome Maggie. Let's just get on with the conversation here. How are you doing today? <laughs>
2: I'm fine thank you Laurie. Uh thank you very much for inviting me on your show. I'm really excited to be speaking with you today and and you're doing such amazing work. It really is. I'm I'm just about to follow through on something here in the UK that um after corresponding with one of your speakers. So it's wonderful. Really wonderful.
0: Oh, very cool. That's that's exciting to hear. You know, we we're all so interconnected and it's just a wonderful It's just a wonderful way to connect. It it amazes me how many people listen to the show and and share information and make collaborations, which are are critical to all of us to to move um, care forward and um, to provide us comfort. And I think that's one of the lovely things that – you know, your book does. It's just, I mean, the title alone um, is going to make people, you know, step back. And even when I um, titled the program, I used, I used the title and I said, yes, you read that right. You know, because I, I know when I, when I go out and speak, people go, what do you mean it's a gift? Uh, that, that's not possible you know and but it, but it truly is and so i'm anxious to talk about that can you give us a little background um uh, you know as to what motivated you to write the book i know you said your mom had had dementia but can you give us a little more insight there as to how, maybe how it affected you and
2: yeah yeah and, and i want to say right at the beginning this this show is perfect because it's alzheimer's and I'm just the messenger of my what my mother said. So this is this is actually what I'm going to be saying is what Alzheimer says. <laughs> so um, <laughs> uh, to, to answer your question, my um, I'll give you a little background. Um, my family uh, lived in Scotland and I lived in London, and I used to visit um, frequently. And my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in the year 2000 when she was 85. And I started visiting more frequently, so maybe one uh, for a week, once a month. My father was in his early 90s and struggling, and it was a very difficult time. I want to emphasize this because it sounds like, you know, the gift of Alzheimer's. I may have, have been deluded about it, but <laughs> I can assure you we had a few years of... Of real trauma with my mother, you know, she would turn on the gas and gas cooker and forget to light it, and oh, it just it, it, she was a danger to herself and others. And um, we, ha- our family, house happened to be right next door to a care home, and we knew the care home. It was an independent care home, very nice, lovely staff, a wonderful owner. And when things got just too Difficult at home um my mother went in there, but it was the easiest transition I think one could have because i could I could look out of my window upstairs into the hall of the care home and see people moving around, so it felt as if she was more in an an extension to our home where she was being to where she was safe first and foremost and being lovingly cared for, so that was that was the start, um, it was, you know, as I imagine most people feel, it was pretty traumatic when she went in there and I knew she would never be, you know, back home in her own familiar surroundings again. I went through all the, the sense of loss and, and you know, that, that people go through. So it wasn't a gift at the beginning, that was for sure. And also, mm-hmm. back in the year two thousand. I don't know what it was like in the U.S., but Alzheimer's wasn't spoken about that much, and there wasn't all the information online that there is now. So I didn't really know what we were in for. I I, I didn't know how long she was going to live. I didn't know um, what was going to happen in the disease. So I was, I was just, um, I thought I was firefighting the whole way <laughs> uh, and um, just dealing with things as they came up and dealing with my dad as well. Uh, so yeah. she had been in been in the care home for a couple of years. When uh, I would say by this stage she she was heading towards late stage Alzheimer's. I know it sounds very a very fast transition. So I don't know whether she'd had Alzheimer's before and we hadn't uh, recognized it, um, or whether she just progressed pretty quickly. You know, once she got it, but she had reached the stage of i call surrender where she was no longer fighting to maintain control and denying things <laughs> um so in some ways it was easier and um because she wasn't battling against everybody it was much easier to feel have loving feelings towards her and the staff absolutely adored her and she started she'd been in the care home for about a year when she started to say things that I thought were interesting, maybe interesting to me because I'm a psychotherapist and you know I'm, I want to know the meaning behind what people say. And it would have been so easy to have dismissed things she was saying. Um, but I, my kind of, I was alert and listening and I started to write them down. And uh, so she said, one day she said, you love me. And I thought, is this a question? Is it a statement? But I assured her that I did. And then immediately after that, she said, I'm a bad person. And I thought, oh, poor mom. You know, she's so frail now. I felt real compassion for her. Mm-hmm. But I do at this stage need to tell you a little bit about her history because she has had a really difficult life. She, she suffered from mental instability, depression. She um, threatened suicide on a number of occasions, and as a child, I was witness to that, and that meant that our relationship was quite challenging, and you know had been throughout our lives together. Uh, so when she said, "I'm a bad person," I thought, um, "I wonder if my presence has triggered, you know, memories of these difficult times in the past," and. I could have said, "Have another cup of tea, Mum," but I didn't. We actually, I decided to stay with it and to, you know, find out what was going on and talk through it in a very non-judgmental way. And this is where my NLP training was probably useful because your your listeners might be interested in what I said to her. I this is an NLP presentation. If um, it's easy to look. Back and wish we'd done something differently, but at the time, we do the best we can given the circumstances. Otherwise, we'd have done something different. And it seemed that this was this was so forgiving that um, my mother was able to just take that on board and move on. And I was amazed at how that one statement after just talking a little bit about the difficult times saying that um freed her from these uh, feelings that she had but you know these people say lots of strange things when they have alzheimer's and um carl jung said forgotten or repressed material surfaces in a state of diminished consciousness and i think this could explain a lot of the strange things that people with you know medium to late stage Alzheimer's say and do. And I think if we realize that that's what's happening, it's helpful. Yep, of, I,
0: I think that makes yes. so much sense, and it allows us to release and not judge and know that, yeah. um, that everything has a reason and everything is yeah. logical, even though it might not appear logical, um, you know, given the, the pathology and the way their mind is thinking, it it makes perfect sense. And um yeah. and we just kinda of have to put our investigative hat on and calm down and be a little patient. Um and yeah. things can surface and, and and I think we also have to get out of our box and be a little creative because we're like, No, this belongs here and this belongs there and so we don't allow the dots to connect naturally. Um, which they, which they, in my belief, is they most likely are. There is a, a, a very yeah. uh, natural and normal connection, but we get so stuck in these patterns and these demands of daily living. And, um, you know, we're so, you know, we're taught, we're taught to not to be forgiving. You know, we're taught to feel guilty. We're taught to, you know, all the things you were talking about with your mom and stuff, you know, of, mm-hmm. of doing things right. And, and we as care, um, partners fall into those patterns too and, and to me mm-hmm. that was one of the, the biggest gifts my mom gave me was letting go of all that crud that bogs us down mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. And, um, and it's just so so beautiful um, I, did you find just kind of a, a peacefulness then kind of within you and very within, much within so. her.
2: and it, it also was helping to heal our relationship and Mm-hmm. But which hadn't, you know, it had been okay, but it it, it hadn't been wonderful. So mm-hmm. it allowed it allowed us to start healing our relationship. And something that I found out subsequently, which I think was also interesting, is this is based, this, is, this has come from um, a neuroscientist called Professor Oliver Turnbull at Bangor University, UK. He carried out research into um, memory, the memories of people with Alzheimer's, and he found that emotional memory doesn't die. Even when short-term memory has gone out of the window, um, emotional memory lives on, and that people with Alzheimer's continue to learn emotionally. Now, that was... uh, he, He was bearing out what I'd already found. His research was published after... I had written my book, but or the first edition of my book, but I thought that's really interesting, and it's it's important to know that.
0: I, I and I think, that I think that's so that's true. true. I I, I totally oh. agree with that. Totally agree with that. Um, I saw that with with my mom and so many others. And you know, we get trapped into, especially as the disease progresses in that end stage. You know, that they're a shell of a body and they're taking it all in and they're you know they're just communicating in different ways and and we don't slow down enough to notice it you know and to, absolutely to, to read those nonverbal signs that are just I mean they're everywhere once you once you decide you're going to take the time to look for them it's like you kind of slap yourself in the face and go how did I miss all this there's a lot of activity going on here you know and it's it's kind of it's kind of incredible um but it's such a gift because when we when we slow down and we realize that you know we are we're so much more than a name and that, that those emotional triggers um, are not just between us but between every kind of living and breathing thing or and and even even those that that aren't you know it might be a photo of something um, it, it could be music it could be all kinds of different things that trigger um, those emotions all of a sudden you realize how precious life is and how powerful joy can be And that no matter what you're going through, it's still there. You know, it's still there, but you're not going to find what you don't look for. And so to me, it's it's kind of one of the things like with the title of your book, I was so excited before I even had a chance to even go through it was, you know, we need to talk about these gifts because we've forgotten them in our society. And, And the lessons in this disease, to me, apply in all of life. You know, uh, and we can we can utilize them for so much more, and be so much calmer and peaceful, and and live with gratitude, even in a crisis. Um, We can get through things graciously by accepting knowing
2: we can't control it all. You know, and oh, go ahead. A few a few weeks before my mother passed on. She said to me, you talk to me, nobody else talks to me. And, you know, Mm -hmm. that made tears, that brought tears to my eyes because the staff were very loving. You know, lots of people talked to her, but nobody talked to her in a way that was meaningful to her. And in order to do that, I had to kind of abandon me and my life. I I had to move into her world with her. I had to explore her world, be curious and explore her world, and I didn't dismiss anything. You know, I, it's like with Alzheimer's, meaning has meaning is it all? That's what that's what people with Alzheimer's are looking for. They're looking for meaning,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: if if, if people um, can step in onto their map, be with them try and find the meaning in their communication, which might not be that easy because often it's couched in metaphor or, um, I mean, they're all, the communication is is tricky. Well, one of the things that seems to happen is that the filter, we have filters in our brain. So we have a thought, the thought is filtered, and then we speak. So we don't speak exactly what we think. Mm-hmm. You know, we would embarrass ourselves <laughs> and people if we did. But people with Alzheimer's, these filters, because their brain brain cells are being damaged, these filters no longer work properly. So people are very direct. They have a thought, and they speak, (laughs) if they can Mm -hmm. still speak. Mm -hmm. I think it's useful to, you know, because when they say things like, uh, my mother said to me, "Um, you have lovely teeth, you have lovely hair, and she said this over and over again. And at first I was slightly embarrassed (laughs) at being told this, but... You know, I just realised that that's what she was seeing, and uh-huh. and to accept it graciously. Yeah, and, and,
0: um, and we don't <laughs> accept those things. I mean, we don't accept compliments. You know, I mean, most of us just yeah. don't. We we don't deal with that, and they're they're given in such a sincere. Fashion and they're so authentic, and and we're looking at what do you really want because that's how we deal in the real world. It's like okay, you're coming at yeah. me with that. You, you want something else, and and that's gone because it's just not that deep. You know, it's just yeah, it's just it's just there. It's just honest, and and yeah, you know, and it's so beautiful, so so beautiful.
2: I would like to say something too about empathy. Mm-hmm. Um. People who have Alzheimer's, as their, uh, – I'll give you a little background to this. Um, neuroscientists at the University of California, San Francisco Memory and Aging Center did some, carried out some research on people with Alzheimer's, and they found that um, as cognition decreases, empathy increases. And the more people's brain cells die off, the more empathetic they become. That means they are ultra-sensitive to the nuances of our facial expressions, our moods, our feelings, even if we're not saying anything. And furthermore, it goes to the next stage is when they take this in from us, they mimic it back to us, and the jargon is emotional contagion. So they they are empathetic. To the people, the, and the environment they're in, they take it in, and then they feed it back to us. And um, that that could explain some of the things that I, my my um, mother said. Uh, I, I've never seen such loving love coming from anybody's eyes.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, she
2: was she was speaking of love coming from my eyes. And then she said, "Love is passing between us, so she knew it was coming and going between us, and the b- beautiful thing here is if we are g- if we are genuinely compassionate and loving, our loved ones with Alzheimer's will know that, yeah, and they'll feel it and yep. and they will feel and they'll they'll they will send it back to us, and in that way, we can get into a most beautiful Symbiotic relationship In which love just grows and grows
0: That's very true One of the the lessons um, That I learned And it sounds like you did too um, And I call it different levels of unconditional love Uh, I didn't know there were so many levels And as she went deeper into the disease It drew me deeper into These levels of unconditional love That were just so profound just so, I, I didn't yeah. think I could love somebody at the level that I I love my mom, you know. At the end, yeah. but she she just pulled me in, and I mean, I I've always been a very passionate, you know, person, and I have always loved it very deeply. But this just transcended anything really yeah. in this like physical world because it 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 just became a spiritual process, really, um, and, and yeah. has had me connected on. So many more levels that I, I just didn't even know existed, and you know, never would have had that without her going through this process, you know, this disease, and um, huge gift, huge, huge gift, um, to be able to. I, that.
2: I absolutely share, um, you know, that experience too. And I'd like to say something about the kind of spiritual journey, um, because I would. I would say that love was a, at the heart of it. Mm-hmm. You know, early on, I think I said, "My yes, I told you." My mum said, um, "You love me," and then she said, "I'm a bad person," and we process that. Then I, I, I'm also trained as a healer, so every now and then I would send her healing energy, and she always noticed it. Even you know, I wasn't saying anything; she just picked it up and made some comment, and. On one uh, one occasion, early on, I was sending her energy, and she said, "When you see little bits flying around, you'll know it's me." And I thought, "Oh, she's talking about her non-physical energy." And then mm-hmm. I thought, "Oh, is that when she's, you know, when she's dead?" And then she said, "I'm not dead yet." So she was actually picking up my thoughts as well. And I think, although the neuroscientists have talked about Emotional contagion. I actually think contagion is happening at other levels as well, and I've written a little bit about that in my book. And then she said something very interesting—not to me, very interesting. She said, "It's difficult working between two worlds." This is uh-huh. right at the beginning, and I thought, and I thought, "Wow!" <laughs> a medical doctor would have dismissed that as a hallucination. You know, she was delusional. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I've been a long-term, you know, seeker of consciousness, you know, from my mid-twenties and meditator. And so when she said this, I was really interested. And that for me, that was the real beginning of our journey. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea where this was going to take me. But if I had dismissed that, and there would have been no story, it mm-hmm. was my... Acceptance, my validation of her experience, and that's something that I think is really important, is invalid is validating people's experience. It's real for them. Even if it's not real for us, it's real for them. For me, it was what I wanted to be real for me. <laughs> I was not as advanced as my mother was, you know, when it came to this. So she also said she was... Um, she said, a relatives visit me. They help me. Now, this is often a sign that people are close to the end of their life, you know, their physical life on Earth. Mm-hmm. Research has shown that people usually, when they start saying that, they're either hours, days, or at the most maybe a week away from the end. So I thought, and she said, it's all right if I go. And I rather pathetically said yes, because I didn't want her to hang on for me. Little mm-hmm. did I know for three and a half years, we were going to be talking about the mm-hmm. other world. Um, so that was just the beginning of our journey. <laughs> um, I think incredible. that because I had some, you know, knowledge about about the other world, um, from my reading and my study and my meditation and my experience, I was able to hold a space, a safe space for her to, you know, drift into and come back again. Because when people reach this stage, this late stage of Alzheimer's, they have altered states of consciousness from time to time. And where do they go when they are in these altered states? Mm -hmm. I have a hypothesis. But the more I talk about it to, the, to people, the more I think, I think this is really what's happening. When people reach this stage of surrender and their ego has gone out of the window, they've lost their sense of self, the part of the brain that processes linear time isn't working anymore, so past and future are all rolled into the present. If you are in the present, in the now, without an ego, what kind of state are you in? You're in a transcendental state, according to Edgar Tolle, mm-hmm. And his book, The Power of Now, is all about that. And he continues in his presentation to talk about um, being letting the ego go and being totally present in the now. And I think that people with Alzheimer's, because of because they have Alzheimer's, because their brain isn't interfering and chatting away, you know, all the time and distracting them, they actually have the opportunity, when in altered states, to go into an altered state like this.
0: Well, and, you know, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, they, they, you know, they talk about young children. You know, we we unteach them you know to be in that state you know they are so connected and then we set up the rules and we tell them what's right or wrong and you know we we um, implement you have to have the filters (laughs) you know i mean there's there's just all this stuff that we think we have to live by and um you know because young kids do things too that you know don't Mm -hmm. always make a lot of sense to us but you know, in fact, a friend of mine just sent, I can't remember the name of it, but I think it was over over in London, and it was a movie about the fairies, the two little girls that saw the fairies in the woods. And they took a picture, and they actually captured them, and they they found out that they were really mm-hmm. authentic and stuff. And so my, my little, you know, granddaughter, we watched that probably four or five times over the weekend. She's just fascinated, oh, <laughs> fascinated with that. And, you know, but yet you know, as adults, we say, that's not real, that can't happen, you know, all of Mm -hmm. those types of things. And I saw the same thing with my mom, I always felt when she would be talking that she was talking to somebody else in a different realm, because she was so calm, Mm -hmm. and she was so comfortable. And it was it was such a normal conversation that she was having. And, you know, yeah. it was it. I don't know. I, I'm sure there'll people that will will argue with that. But uh, for me, I found peace in that. I, I just found peace wherever she found calmness. And you know, if somebody wants to label it a hallucination, you know, have at it. If that's what makes them comfortable, that's not what I'm going to call it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to treat it like that. Um, you know, I don't. I didn't want to drug her up. You know. <laughs> to make that go away because it wasn't harming anybody and it actually was peaceful for her. I mean, there were times she would, um, I talk about one time when she was nibbling some corn, they had a picnic at the nursing home she was at. And of course me as the adult looking at her broken, rotted teeth go, do you want me to cut the the kernels off the corn for you? And she looked at me like I was crazy. And she said, <laughs> no. And she sat there and mm-hmm. she She sucked on that corn on the cob, and she, I mean, there was nothing left to it. It, She was so peaceful, and I remembered watching her literally for 15 minutes just wanting to be wherever she was because she was so in that moment and so peaceful and so happy. And I don't know if it was at a state fair when she was a small kid or what, but it was like that you know, the I think the sense of that corn just brought her back in time, kind of that emotional connection mm-hmm. you were talking about before. And I mm-hmm. just remember standing mm-hmm. there melting, going, I want what she has. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, it was, and, it was, and it was such a lesson for me to not judge, you know, that exterior yeah. of what somebody wants. And, and we're really good at judging what somebody wants by how they appear. Which is, uh, you know, yeah. such a such a mistake um, to do with this disease, and um, yeah, just it, it's just a very very interesting process. But if you if you go into, I think the mode, and it's like you said earlier, you know, you don't just waltz in going. This is a gift. I mean, there's some there's some hard times. There's hard times for the person diagnosed. There's hard times for those who um, love and care for them. But if you can go in with the attitude, um this helped me of what can I learn? What can I learn uh-huh. from this? and so every time I felt I was backed into a corner and maybe I was getting frustrated, I would ask, What's my lesson? And and there was uh-huh. always there was always a lesson. And it was a beautiful yeah. lesson. And and then it turned yeah. into this this gift of a life lesson. And and then yeah. it made me made me calmer. And it made my mom much more comfortable because, you know, they feed off our emotions, you know? And and so, yeah, it's just, it really is such um, an incredible, incredible process. And if people would just slow down and accept it instead of judging that, well, this isn't how I planned my life. Well, you know what? Nothing really comes out the way we planned our life anyways, for the most Mm -hmm. part, you know, there's, there's bumps in the road and this one is a big one but um what what, you know what a a great process
2: one of one of the things that i noticed with my mother she used to stare at me and because her brain had slowed down these staring sessions would get longer and longer and i decided to try and be totally present with her and just maintain that eye contact, which was often difficult. You know, I had a busy life. I was zooming between London and Scotland, looking after my dad. It was, um, and sometimes I'd arrive and I'd be really buzzing. And she'd say, you're rushing. (laughs) And Mm. then, but we had many of these just silent sessions. They're like sessions. Mm-hmm. When um, she just looked at me and I remained in eye contact with her. And on one occasion she said, call me the cleanser. <laughs> and I thought, "Oh wow. that's exactly what it feels like. I mean, she did seem to, uh, she did go into another world. When she was in this altered state, she spoke with a voice of absolute authority. When she wasn't, you know, when she was... In this, you know, in her earthly, you know, um, mm-hmm. physical body, she complained. She didn't like lying there and not being able to, you know, do things. But, and her voice would be feeble, but in, in the other world, she spoke with a voice of authority. Would you like me to tell you some of the things she said? Please. Yes? Um, yes. Yeah. It seems that she she said, television is amazing, I can I can ask all my questions. Well, a couple of things there. One, you have to know what questions to ask. <laughs> she seemed to know what questions to ask. But having spoken to some psychics subsequently, you know, about this, they describe when they are receiving information. They say it's like watching a television set. And I think mm-hmm. that my mother was describing her portal to the other world. Um she said things like, um, "I have a first aid box. I can go to it at any time and get what I need." And when I asked her how she did that, she said, "I ask them. It's it's that simple."
1: Wow.
2: She also described something. I, I mean, this may be outside the realms of some of the listeners, but she described something that sounded to me like psychic surgery or, you know, energy healing. Um, she said she'd had a big operation. This is near the, near the beginning. And I mm-hmm. thought, you know, well, she hadn't, had a, she hadn't had a physical operation, that was for sure. And I said, well, where have you had an operation? She said, my mind. Um, she said, um, they've taken things out. They're very skillful. Now, this was at the beginning, and I was a little wary about what was, you know, what she was saying. But she told me this quite a few times, you know, mm-hmm. over the years. And each time she said, I'm getting better. And I can assure you that at a non-physical level, she was getting better. Mm-hmm. She, When she had, um, she became very lucid. She developed the gift of extrasensory perception. And I think, um, for me, the evidence that there was, it wasn't just just delusional, the things she was telling me, was, uh, on at least eight occasions, she told me things about myself that I hadn't told her and that she couldn't possibly have known. And I could give you a few examples of these. I mean, on, on one sure. on one occasion, I had made her uh, made a card for her for Mother's Day, and I put twelve red roses on it. And sorry, I can't be with you on Mother's Day. You'll see you soon. A week or two later, I was up there and I was looking round her room for this card, and I couldn't see it. I hadn't said anything to her about it. And she said to me, the lost roses. (laughs) I was just (laughs) stunned because she had picked up the image that I had in my mind. But Mm -hmm. not only that, the fact that it was lost. So in a way, it showed me nothing was lost. Mm -hmm. The, the The physical card wasn't there, but she knew about it. So mm-hmm. it wasn't lost, and I, I I thought this was quite a useful metaphor for what you know what was what was happening between us. And she had lots of psychic experiences. Um, she had life reviews. She said, "I'm remembering all my life, all the people," and I helped her to process that. She had uh, described what to me sounded like an out of body experience. She said, "My head's not attached to my body," so. You know, she was actually able to speak these words but feel mm-hmm. something quite different. Um, what else did she... She she said she heard voices. She said she had to wait for messages to come through. Mm-hmm. She told me that everything that she was telling me had come from my sister who had passed on a few years before and who, um, an aside... Years. my sister had had a very difficult life she had been an alcoholic and died prematurely so you know this was a bit of a quite a revelation to hear that my, my sister was passing all this information on to my mother uh, she is, was talking what sounded like past lives I don't know which century she said um, relatives visit me they help me Uh she seemed to be, she was learning. She, it's hard to, it's hard to believe this. And I realized that she was probably quite an exceptional case. Not everybody's going to have these experiences. But she talked um, a few times about wanting to be in the right position. I'm getting ready for the next program. I need to decide which program. So she had phases when she had, I think through her television, she could. She got information and, and um, also asked questions. And she described having uh, t- test supervision and having tests and then moving on to the next program. And she just seemed to get wiser and wiser. So her physical body was, you know, failing terribly. I mean, she couldn't turn in bed. She had to be, she could, uh, laterally, she couldn't sit, support herself sitting up. Her physical body was deteriorating. Uh, And often, you know, when she wasn't in an altered state, she would repeat things or just sleep. But then intermittently, these um, powerful, you know, words and declarations would would come through. And she had a a very, um, very clear idea of her own death. She said, she had a preview of her death. She said, we're learning we're immortal. Death is nothing to be afraid of. I have no worries, no fears. And then she told me about a dream. She said, it's the climax. It's the end. It's peaceful. Mm-hmm. And just, um, near the very near the end, she said, I'm counting the months. And I knew then that this was near the end because uh, she hadn't spoken like that before. And then she said, I've entered the first stage. And I said, you know, how many stages are there? She said, Seven and told me she said you were in the presence of kings and queens. Wow. So at some <laughs> at some level she was she was in, tuned into somewhere else. Wow. Well,
0: you know, when my mom died and, and my listeners have have heard this some of them um before uh she actually came to me in dreams. So she yeah. um she told me to start writing her obituary. She told me I was not going to be there when she was dying, that I needed to be away. I needed to keep speaking. She needed to pull the family together. Uh, she had it all orchestrated. And when she left, uh, amazing. I I was in Arizona. I, you know, I was there. I, I set up, you know, she was already on hospice and stuff, but I, I kind of got everything in order. And um, the family pulled together, and I... Participated via um, FaceTime on video chat, yes. and and I was able to read my mom and guide my family so that they could physically um, help. And it would have been totally yeah, different wonderful. if I would have been there. Because and, and it was it was such a beautiful process. And I actually, uh, you know, I always say that my work, my mom is always with me when I work because this is yeah. this is our our thing together. And um, when I got up on stage for the first presentation, right before I, uh, I you know, it was like 10 minutes before, I, I said, okay, you know, uh, 10, 15 minutes to showtime, I expect you up there with me. And I got, <laughs> I, I got up on stage, and I felt a surge of energy, I almost fell. It was so yes. powerful. And I looked up, and everything was just bright lights. And and mm-hmm. kind of orbs floating around, and then I centered myself and you know did my did my talk, and everything was fine, and mm-hmm. I I got done, and I called back, and my daughter said, "Mom, it was the strangest thing." She said, "When you told Grandma fifteen minutes to show time, her body heated up and she got beet red." And she did not oh. cool down until you were done and you called back. She said, you know, and it took me 15 minutes to get back on the phone again. And she said it was just, yeah. you know, 10, 15 minutes before you called, her body cooled down again. And she's back. Amazing. And, and it, was, it, it really, it was. I mean, and people can think whatever they want on that. But um, mm-hmm. to me, I, I believe my mom's energy was with me. And um, I'm sure it was, it, and I and I think you know everyone in the room witnessed it, and there was probably 20 people in the room um, with her, you know, because the whole family was there, and they just they couldn't believe it, um, and I we uh. had different different things occur. Like one time, I said, um, "What's that smell in the room?"
2: <laughs>
0: and I said, <laughs> "Something's changed." And they're like, "Well, what are you talking about?" I said, "I don't know. Something's changed. What's going on?" And and my daughter said, "Well, they just brought in lavender, um, you know, washcloth uh-huh. for her." They're yes. like, "How did you know that?" And I'm like, I, "I, don't know. Don't ask me. I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't really care how I know. I just, I sometimes I know those things. Uh, it, it, that's just how close mm-hmm. my mom and I were. And you know, people, yes. people are like that in this realm too. I mean, we finish each other's sentences. We pick something up at the store just because we know somebody needs it or wants it." Without ever communicating yeah. verbally, um, and yet we're surprised, you know, when this happens yeah. when someone someone is ill. But we do it all the time, you know. We we yeah. are connected, but we take it for granted. And I think when there's a an illness, it it brings us closer. If you don't mind, I would love to pull in. I see Harry Urban is on the line, and, and Harry is diagnosed with dementia. I would love to just yeah. hear what his thoughts are on our conversation. Is that okay with you? Yes. Okay. Harry, are you yes. on the line there? What do you think of this conversation?
1: I think it's wonderful. You know, <laughs> you, you were talking about this altered state that we go into, and it's true, we do. And the sad part of it is, though, that it is comforting to us, but Doctors try to give us medication to block us from going there. That's mm-hmm. the sad part of it. it and, and it it really it really breaks my heart. You know that that if if I'm sitting there and I'm in and I'm in a daze or I'm in a, another place, just let me go. You know, let me mm-hmm. enjoy what I have. Don't don't try to bring me out of it and anything else. You know, because you you are. Uh, you're stopping me from enjoying my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it, mm-hmm. one of the one of the comments Harry made, and and I say this just about every time I speak, I, I quote him because it's one of my favorite sayings. But he says, "You know, I used to like to relax before I got dementia. I still do, and so it's okay if I'm <laughs> sitting quiet. <blind." laughs> you know, and it's it's it's. I mean, it's such a basic thing." Um, and we, our minds all drift off. You know, we daydream. We, you know, you can call it whatever you want. Um, and as your beliefs change or your mind opens, you might call it different things than what we used to call it. Um, but you know, it's it, it's about finding that peacefulness. And does it really make any difference what we call it or where we go? Um, no matter who we are. If we're not hurting anybody else, you know but it's it's about allowing people to to have that sense of peace and that that centeredness and you know when I would look at my mom in that quiet state carrie that you're talking about she she was so she was so strong in terms of you know when I would look at her she was she was peaceful she was strong, and yet she was so calm but you know mm-hmm. you just got this sense of well-being and, and why we want to disrupt that is beyond me,
2: you know. Well, I think this is where family can play a role with the um, the people looking after their loved ones. I mean, I can remember this is with my my father who was in a care home um, after my my mother, and I arrived one time and found him almost comatose, and I said to the staff, "What has happened to him?" The, uh, his uh, medical doctor thought he was depressed and doubled his some medication he was on, and I got a I got a second doctor to come in who took him off immediately, and within a few hours he was my father was back to his normal state again. So I think you know I certainly kept a really close eye on what was being given to both my parents to make sure that they could be you know be comfortable in the state they were in
1: mhm
0: very- very important, very important stuff um i was I was hoping Harry that you were gonna comment on that quiet state because i I figured you would have a comment on that and um and I just think it's so important for people to to hear the voice of of people with dementia and to take to take it seriously um you know, it just it's it's so critical because, um, you know, even you know, Maggie and I, we've been through this journey, but, but we're still outsiders looking in, um, giving it our best guess. You know, on a lot of on a lot of levels, is is how we're going to be perceived. But when we can talk to people that actually have the disease, that can say, yeah, that is what's going on, or or no, it, not quite. I, I would look at it like this. Um, I, it just I think adds even more value to the conversation for people. So I, I thank you very much, Harry, for for um making a comment. Was there anything else that you wanted to, to comment on?
1: Yeah, I, I think I think most people try to pull us back into their world uh because they don't understand ours. Uh like that, that peaceful state that you're talking about, uh that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. If they if they see us sitting in a chair, staring in his face, they have all these horrible thoughts in their mind, and they they try to draw us back out of that, and it's and it's so uh, it's so bad because, but um, my friend Mike Good, he he says it perfectly. He says, "Don't do things for me; do them with me." So mm-hmm. if um, if I'm in that quiet, if I'm in that quiet spot, join me in it. See what I'm seeing, feel what I'm feeling, things like that. When I was when I was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, uh, I was given a basket full of gifts. Now it's up to me if I uh, if I choose to see them and use them, you know. But but the gifts are there. Uh, so many times, well one of the best gifts I was given was the gift of forcing me to slow down. Okay, because once I was forced to slow down, I saw life completely different than anybody else. And um I'm gonna be honest with you, I like my life. I like I like living with my is the way I am now.
0: Well, that's good, cause you're, but you're at that peaceful state. You're not fighting it. Um, you're going with it, and you've really, I mean, from, from my view of it, I have seen you just get so empowered by becoming an advocate, and, and um, instead of, um, you know, what happens to most is, I mean, it's depressing at first. You know, it's, it's a shock to the system, but you and so many others have, have embraced it and said, we can make the world better. You know, we need to talk about this disease, and and it's just Harry's just so full of great information. It's <laughs> it's just it's very fun. He's he's one of our experts on dementia chats, and so I mm. I thank you so much for joining us today, Harry, um,
2: and for your comments. So, um,
0: I I want to get back. I would like on. to thank Harry
2: too. I really really appreciate hearing his voice. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: Great. Um Maggie we've got about well we've got about a minute left we can we can talk longer needless to say um but i, I want to make sure that we get everything in that that you want to talk about this has just to me been a, such a fascinating conversation and um you know i i love the experiences that you're that you're sharing i think um again not everybody um uh, may agree with you know what you've said or what i've said or even what, what harry has said um, but we need to have these conversations. Um, that's the only way mm-hmm. we open doors to possibilities and um, in changing mindsets. And, you know, and this is a disease that we don't know anything about it. You know, we really mm-hmm. don't. And so we have to work together and we have to, I think, listen to all voices and, um, and, and develop a toolkit that works for us because there is no magic bullet that's going to fix this. And I I really think, for me personally, uh, my belief is this disease is here to teach this world new lessons. I think we've gotten so far. Just going to say that, (laughs) really, we have gotten so far out of skew um, that we don't even know the the meaning, and we've lost the beauty of life. And and this disease brings it back home on such minute levels of things that we we overlook. Um, because we're too fat, you know, we're moving too fast and we're too busy and stuff. And so, you know, I really would encourage our audience to to buy this book, The Gift of Alzheimer's, um, new insights uh into the potential of Alzheimer's and its care. You um you have some really cool things. You kind of diary um some things out by dates and, you know, like here you say I've been here for a few days and I've been visiting mom regularly. And, and you talk about the conversations. You noticed mom's speech was a little less clear due to the muscles in her mouth not working so well. And then you go on and ask certain questions and you just, you, you always find kind of this little peacefulness and just these really simple conversations. You know, hi, how are you? Mm-hmm. I'm fine. What, mm-hmm. are you what are you thinking? Nothing. Is that all right? Yeah. Um, what are you feeling? <laughs> Nothing. No pain, nope, just fine, you know, and it and it, and we don't accept that, you know we always think the mind has to be like clutching on to something deep and dark and big, <laughs> and sometimes there's just nothing there, it's just it's you know you're just absorbing everything and and being fine with what's around you, and I mean, what a lesson that is in itself,
1: mm.
0: you know, of just mm. just letting go. So beautifully you know beautifully written, and lots of of great examples, and I think things to to ponder and to just make us look at the world a little bit different, and you know i I think when we can attach you know you talked about the the emotional um piece for those with dementia, but I think that's very true for us um as as a society that we don't shift our mindsets until we feel the need and and i think your book is going to make people feel the need i think it's going to touch them in ways that may surprise them and 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 have them just go you know well why can't i try this you know and to
1: mm-hmm.
0: move move out of that lane of failure and and be motivated be motivated by trying new things and experimenting and and having fun um with the process instead of worrying about is it right, is it wrong um you know I think it's it's worse for us to do nothing because we're afraid mm-hmm. to fail um, and nothing at all um but what what else would you like to share with our audience i I know I could
2: have you here all day I could have you here all week actually <laughs> <laughs> well i i I think looking at the big picture. Alzheimer's is a protracted end-of-life experience. End-of-life experience is usually um, a term that's used when people are terminally ill or um, very near to the end of life. But Alzheimer's stretches over years, and that gives us the opportunity to engage in it as an intelligent process, to to engage in the process of conscious dying with a person we you know when people are are not well um often we don't have time to do that but alzheimer's gives us the perfect opportunity to do that it's also you know, people with alzheimer's speak with love from the heart it's direct it's unfiltered and we can be in that loving space with them and that means there's the opportunity to heal relationships like you know my mom and i did so it's never too late to heal the past. It's actually an opportunity. And the other world, if he quotes other world experiences that people with Alzheimer's have, they are happy in that place. You know, it's love. There's no fear and no pain. And my mother said, love is what it is. The stillness of deep love. I can't find words to describe it. Death oh, is like nothing that. to be afraid of. I love everyone, and that's, love that's, never dies.
0: The stillness of—of of, did you say great love or true love?
2: The stillness of deep love.
0: Of, of deep love. I love that. I love that. Yes, that's, and
2: it's just—it made you know the times like that. I just felt that time stopped. Mhm. Oh was, yeah. Um, it was just so beautiful, and then she after she said. I want you to experience it. So it, she was just teaching me. It's not just about the words; it's about feeling it. Wow, wow, yeah.
0: She she really um, was so connected in terms of of teaching. You know, I, I, um, I, I, and I don't know if you get asked this, but a lot of times people just think, oh. You know, I'm so sorry you're going through this. You know, and, and I just tell people. It, you know, I, I'm okay with this. This was the biggest gift I'll probably ever receive in my life.
2: <laughs> I know and they my have, parents are always saying you need some retail therapy or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, You don't realize I this is this is the one of the most profound things in my life. It's changed my life.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's yep. really changed my life.
0: Yeah, how you look at it, who you are—it's um, it, so beautiful. But people are so fearful of it, and I think they need to hear hear that message of of the beauty and the gifts. Because, you know, no matter what we go through, there is beauty and there is gifts um, to be had. But we can't find what we're not looking for. And so, you know, yeah. we want to stay in a in a state of denial. And not deal with what's before us. Well, that's where we're going to live, and we're not going to have any opportunity to connect or be authentic, or you know, to find joy. And it's it's mm-hmm. just so so important for us to do. Um, one of the lessons you know, Mom taught me, which was really simple, was again we were talking about being in the now. Was you know we have we have three choices um, in our life. We can live in the past. We can live in the future. We can live in the now. And I always ask my, my audiences, you know, what do you want in your life? Do you, want, um, do you want tears, do you want fears, or do you want joy? And the mm. tears are usually living in the past for what we lost because we don't typically look at the past in gratitude. You know, we look at it as mm. loss. And when we look at the well, future, it scares us, and so we live in fear. And most of what well, we fear never comes to be. And if we live in either of those worlds, we miss the present, and that's where the joy is. And so, Absolutely. you know, when, when I look at it in those three things, everyone's like, well, I want the joy. Well, then you have to consciously care to be in the present. You know, you have to yeah. let go of the others, knowing that you can't control either side. One hasn't happened, mm-hmm. and, and one is has already played out. So, you know, control... <laughs> control what you can love what you can and um learn the gifts that are right before you and it's it's just it's so peaceful and so calming if you can get there if you will allow yourself to accept the gift that's before you i just um i think that's the biggest thing i notice in me is just this the calmness and the peacefulness where i used to i would you know, take another situation i you know ten fifteen years ago, I would have been a basket case, worrying about all kinds of stuff, but the gift mm-hmm. through the disease has given me a calmness to work through it more graciously in life and um and your your book is just you know one lesson upon the other, you know with this. do you have one last quote that you would like to to give people?
2: Well I'd like to repeat the the last one which was love never dies. Very true. Very very true.
0: And um and that's that's a beautiful thing too that uh for people to understand the connectiveness um through this process. I uh, I feel way connected to my mom still even though she's gone. I I would imagine you feel the same
2: with yours. I do, and I have. She comes to me in dreams. Mhm. Yep.
0: Yep. Uh, yeah. It's it's amazing, and just about everyone I've talked through, you know, f- talked to um, through this process with the disease, um, most people say that. You know, but mm-hmm. we don't want to admit it. we don't want to admit it ahead of time or something. Yes, <laughs> that it's possible. <laughs> You know, it's um it's kind of interesting. But we are we are so much more than just a name or a physical body. Um, you know, we we're connected um we're we're connected at, at such deep levels. Um I will show one other story that kind of brings that point home too when I speak. I, I talk about um you know, that I believe that that we are connected, um consciously um and, and unconsciously as soon as we're in the womb as soon as we're conceived mm-hmm. and people always say well how can that be and i'll say how many bellies have you patted and how many tummies have you talked to we're planning mm-hmm. we're talking we're, we're playing music we're setting routines um there's there's we're connected on so many levels um just in the womb before it pop, you know this baby pops out into this real world and there's an excitement um, and there's there's planning and there's a future. And, and I think that that stays with us through this world and can, if we allow it, go on after somebody passes because the world is so much bigger, I think, than what we know um, of it. You know, there's a whole spiritual level that we're all connected on and no matter what religion or what your beliefs are, most people believe in um in a power greater than them and i'm not going to judge what that is um but but i think that that connectiveness that spirituality allows allows us to be connected um
2: in different ways and
0: i i don't know if you believe that or not but
2: that's just kind absolutely of my- i do and um you know before i had this experience with uh, my mother i was a believer but every now and then i'd have a little nagging doubt Mm-hmm. And my experience with her has completely changed that. You know, mm-hmm. it it it's it's not a question of no. It's not a question of believing. You know, I know. I don't have any doubts now. She she taught me that, and that was mm-hmm. one of her gifts to me, for which I'm most grateful. Because when you can, when you when you know that, you can live life without fear. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that really is. I, I guess I never looked at it like that, but yeah, that that's very true for for myself as well. There there, even though if I if I go into a lapse, it it isn't very. I don't go very far, and I'm pulled right back out, knowing how connected we are. Where before I could Holy kind of God. jump off the cliff, you know, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> you know, oh, oh it's me, and I'm all alone. But I, I, um, I just rarely feel alone. Um, you know and and that's just so neat to to still be able to communicate um but you know through the disease, through those later stages when they have to communicate different, I think is where the the training for us really comes into play of learning to communicate on a different level, and that quiet quietness allows us to go there, where our world is so busy we we normally we don't. We don't allow that time um, you know like mm. Carrie was saying just to be just to be quiet Well this has just been a fascinating um, you know talk um, You can uh, go to Maggie's um, two websites one uh, is the gift of Alzheimer's.com and the other is, is her name and Maggie? I'm going to have you pronounce your last name because I'm not sure I was pronouncing it correctly. <laughs> um, and then... It's it's La Laturel. Oh yes, I was not pronouncing it as fancy. <laughs> and, and it sounds much more beautiful the way you say it. <laughs> Um So that is Maggie M A G G I E, and Laturel is L A T O. U-R-E-L-L-E, dot, and both of those are dot .coms, The Gift of Alzheimer's, and uh, Maggie Latterelle. Um Both are in the chat box and on the website and also on the blog. Um, again, highly encourage you to pick up this, this brand new book that just hit the U.S., The Gift of Alzheimer's. So thank you so much for being part of our show today. And um, this has been fascinating talking to you, Meg. I really appreciate your time. And I know it's late over there uh, compared to here in the U S um, you're over in London today. Is that where you're at? Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah. So yeah. probably. And I want to thank you Laurie for inviting me on the show that I, I didn't realize there's just so much that we've shared on this and it's, it's lovely to have that experience of sharing um things that we have in common and I you know thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share with you the things that have been important to me and to say you know share what my what my mom has told us yep wonderful
0: so thank you thank you i'm going to pull harry in and just see too if he has any last minute comments here harry any anything you would like to say
1: I'm I'm just so I'm just so happy that uh, that professionals and uh, uh, and the medical professions are are now confirming what we've been saying. Mm-hmm. So um, we we are teaching and 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 everybody else is learning, and it it, it just makes me so happy.
0: That <laughs> Well keep up the great work, Harry. Harry will be with us on dementia chats this afternoon. That's three o'clock, Eastern time and two o'clock central, one mountain, um, noon Pacific, and I think that's eight o'clock London time. So we would love to have you join us. You can go to Alzheimer's Speaks to the About page to get that link or you can go to the uh, the blog. As well, and click on that article, or to dementia chats on Facebook. The links are abound there. Thank you again so much, Maggie. Appreciate having you having you with us. Um, if you missed our last radio show, we are um, we talked about the droplet, which is a new technology for reminders, which is quite fascinating. They're doing a um, crowdfunding program. But you should listen to it. Uh, there's a video you can also go to as well uh, to learn more about it, but it's called The Droplet. On the blog, I didn't do a lot of writing this uh, this past week uh, since I was traveling. I was down in um, Pennsylvania in Lancaster for the – um, Pennsylvania Assisted Living Association Conference, which was just an absolutely wonderful time. Lots of people down there are very interested in joining the Purple Angel Project and dementia-friendly communities, so it was very much an honor to, to speak with them. I did write one post, and it was just Mother's Day takes new meaning um, once dementia hits, and I just talked briefly about the the journey with my with my own mother. Again, I'd like to remind you to check out the Alzheimer's studies. And, um, you know, we need people to to take these trials. There's a real quick survey that can be um, taken. Uh, there's a link um, on the webpage. And uh, even if you go to alzheimerspeaks.com, you'll see that uh, on the homepage as well. For those of you that aren't aware, there's a new organization in the U.S. called Dementia Action Alliance, and you might want to check out their website. It's
1: daanow.org,
0: D-A-A-N-O-W dot org. And then don't forget about the Lewy Body Association and the Frontal Temporal Lobe and the National Aphasia Association if you're dealing with specific types of dementia. You may also want to check out Rock with Dementia with Wayne Mesker. He's working very closely with the Purple Angel Project, um, and they're looking at doing um, some music fests around the world uh, for uh, dementia. And so that's kind of an exciting time. I want to do last shout-out to Puzzle With Me and Jiminy Wicket and the Alzheimer's Music Connect um big believer in music and the power behind it when it comes to dementia. We will uh, talk to you next week. Have a blessed week, and um, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to, to check into uh, Maggie Lintero's um, new book, The Gift of Alzheimer's, and, uh, again, that just hit uh, the U.S. today. So fascinating conversation. Please feel free to share it so others can listen as well. Thank you so much. Bye now. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show.